Actually, if you've got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1 or one of those electronic things that God didn't invent. And we're reading from verse 1, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. All right. Well, as always, uh, we'll finish the sermon time with question time. So if you're uh, online, you can comment on YouTube or you can send a text to that number. Uh, that'll come up again at the end. Or you can just pop up your hand uh, and ask and we'll have a microphone come around. Um, there we go. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So it's good to, to be able to Ask those questions. If things pop up, just jot them down. Uh, we want to make that a habit for us as, as we go through things in church. Um, but on with the show. Uh, and I want to start by sharing a little bit about my dear wife, Kirst. Uh, lots of you know her. Uh, but something that's excited me about Kirst in the last little while is that she's decided to try her hand uh, at wakeboarding. Uh, and I think that's pretty exciting. There she is up on the screen. Uh, Alongside me, that's good, isn't it? Um, she's never been particularly big on lake-based sports where, where I love the water. Uh, but I think uh, largely in her kindness to me, she's decided to jump in and give it a go uh, to find a mutual interest. Uh, so that's been really good. And it's still early days, uh, but I reckon she's going pretty good. Uh, she can get up, she can move about, uh, but there is one small hiccup to her wakeboarding journey, uh, and that is her overwhelming fear of sharks. Uh, and that fear is so present uh, that whenever she gets out, uh, whenever she gets up on the board, uh, you can see that it takes over. Uh, so in that picture you see there, I was alongside her trying to communicate, uh, give her some tips, uh, but all she could think about 
was the potential shark. And so she kind of soul-focused. Uh, you, you couldn't break that barrier. You can't get through to her. Uh, in fact, on one of the, the most recent trips out, uh, the guys that were on the boat, I was on shore for this one, but the guys on the boat uh, thought, oh, we're getting to the end of the day, and they signaled her, will, will we go back to shore? Uh, and all she could think is, that must mean there's a shark. Uh, Despite they were very passive and calm, there was no panic to the guys on the boat, but she jumped to the conclusion that there must be a shark in the water and she panicked. Started trying to swim away to shore and drag herself up on on the rope. And see, for Curse being out there, she's just so focused on that. That's all she could really think about. Uh, Now I'm sure we'll get through that. We'll get by that in time. Uh, But I tell you that story because I think that sometimes we can be a little bit similar uh, when it comes to the way that we read the Bible. Uh, Now, not not in terms of sharks. I actually looked. I don't think there's any sharks in the Bible. Uh, So that's nice for Curse. There's no barriers there. Uh, But I think when we come to reading the Bible... Uh, we can go in there with a single focus. Uh, We can get so caught up on on particular things that we miss the bigger picture of what's going on, Uh, that we miss the the wealth of what's in there. Uh, See, we're looking at Acts, this next series, this next term, uh, and in it we find a whole lot of interesting things. Uh, We find tongues and prophecies, there's interactions about the law, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, the establishing of the church, uh, and we get the first look at that church structure. Uh, And so there's all these things that are in there. And because of those interesting things, it's very tempting to look with a sole focus on on one of those things. Uh, And when we do that, there's a danger that we'd miss all that's going on around it. Uh, that we'd miss the big picture of what's actually going on. And, and when we focus in, if we zoom in on particular things, uh, we miss that context. Uh, See, so there's lots to know about this. So the, the, the book of Acts is, is a real wealth. It, it teaches us all sorts of things about those very interesting items. Uh, but it's important that we see that in context, that we understand what's going on around it so we can make sense of it. Uh, but if we don't, uh, we're at risk of thinking that the, there's a, a signal for sharks uh, rather than a, a signal to go home. We, we miss the point of what's going on. Uh, and, and so context matters. Uh, and that's why as we, we get to this first week in Acts, uh, we're spending a, a week thinking about the context of Acts. We're, we're doing a big picture look at it rather than starting off on, on our next passage that we're up to. Uh, this is our third go at Acts. So as Ben said, we, uh, about this time last year, we, we looked at some of it. Uh, the year before, we looked at uh, some more. So I think it was 1 to 12 two years ago, and then 13 to 21 last year. And now we're at uh, 22, 21 to the end. Uh, so about eight chapters to go. Uh, so we're, we're well on that road. But, but as we start off on this third chunk, uh, it's good to remind us of where we're at. What's going on uh, in the book of Acts? Uh, and why should we... Uh, notice that big picture as we look into the detail. Uh, and so here's the flight plan for today. This is what we're going to be looking at. Uh, we're going to start off uh, with the really simple thing of seeing where Acts fits in the Bible. Who wrote it? Uh, what was their purpose? And then we're going to zoom in. Uh, we're going to zoom in on one verse in particular, and that is Acts 1.8. That's a really key verse in Acts, uh, and, it, and it kind of it gives a flight plan for the book itself. Uh, and so we can look at that. 
Uh, and then we're going to finish off kind of with the rubber hits road stuff. I'm going to give you Rob's top tips for making the most of this series. Uh, and so we'll get started uh, by looking uh, first at the big picture. Where does Acts fit in the Bible? Uh, and to do that, we're going to actually start not looking at Acts, but looking at the book of Luke. I know that might surprise you, uh, but we're going to look at Luke rather than Acts uh, to start with, because Acts is really Luke volume 2. Uh, and we'll see that as we look at these first couple of verses of Luke. So let me read them out for you, uh, and we'll, we'll get stuck into that. Uh, so Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 to 4. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Uh, so Luke uh, tells us the story of Jesus. It's one of the Gospels. And we get the story of Jesus from the perspective of eyewitnesses. Uh, Luke wasn't there for all of it, but he's carefully investigated. He's interviewed. Uh, he's made sure of the story and, and what's true. Uh, and it's the story, really, of what's been fulfilled among them. In other words, it's the story of God's plans coming to fruition. It's the story of Jesus. And Luke has put it down on paper so Theophilus and us can know the certainty of what's been taught. Uh, that is the message of Jesus. Uh, now Luke covers from the time just before Jesus was born uh, through to his death and resurrection and ascension, uh, which is the moment that Acts picks up. Uh, and so now flick with me over to the start of Acts uh, and you'll see some similarities here. Uh, so verses 1 and 2 of Acts 1, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Uh, so there you go. That's the intro to Acts. Uh, you'll notice uh, it's, it's almost the same, isn't it? Uh, we've got the same author, the same recipient in Theophilus, uh, and in it he points to his former book. Uh, that is the book of Luke, uh, where he wrote uh, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Uh, and you'll notice in that there's an interesting implication, isn't there? Uh, if Luke is what Jesus began to do and teach, that's only the beginning. That, that work continues. Uh, and so the book of Acts is the continuing work of Jesus. Began in Luke, continues in Acts. Uh, which helps us think a little bit differently about what is sometimes considered the traditional name of the book, the Acts of the Apostles. Now, that's not the original name of the book. Uh, it's very old. It's been referred to that for a long time, but it's, uh, but it's not the actual name. It's just Acts. Uh, and it does make sense. The Apostles do take a step up. Uh, we see them at work, but through them... Uh, it's through them that, that Jesus spreads the word, but it can give the impression that it's a, a moment where Jesus steps aside and, and they take over. Um, but that's not what we see, is it? Uh, as we dig in, we find that, that really it's Jesus continuing his work. At, at home, I've got uh, this uh, commentary, uh, and I think it gives a, a more helpful name, the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. Uh, now, side note, uh, 
how's this? I've got a signed copy of this commentary. That's like proper Bible nerd stuff, isn't it? Uh, but there you go. Uh, but, but I think it's a helpful name, the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus may have ascended to heaven, but he is very much still at work. Uh, and so that's where Acts fits in the Bible. It's the continuing of Jesus' story. It's kind of Luke part two. Uh, and so uh, we keep going. That We've seen where, the, where Acts fits in the Bible. Uh, now we're going to zoom in on this one particular verse, Acts 1.8. Um, uh, and it's a, a verse that gives us an understanding of the shape of the book. We'll see that. Uh, and we'll do that uh, as we look at this key verse uh, we can see how Acts is going to play out. Um, so have a look with me. It's Acts 1.8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, you can see three big things here. You can see what they're to do. You can see how they're to do it. And you can see where it's going to happen. What, how, and where. And we'll go through each one of those really briefly. Uh, and so we'll start with the what. What are they going to do? Uh, they'll, uh, what are they going to do? They'll be witnesses. They're going to be Jesus' witnesses. Uh, and that makes sense, uh, given what we've already seen, how Luke explained what was going on, uh, that this is the continuing story of Jesus. Uh, in fact, when we get to the end of the book of Luke, we actually see Jesus flesh out what this witnessing will look like. He kind of explains it in some detail. So have a look with me at the end of Luke, Luke 24. Uh, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. See, Jesus makes it really clear that the story of the Bible has him at the very center, doesn't he? And we see the heart of that story is his death and resurrection. And because of it, repentance for the forgiveness of, his, of sins will be in his name to all nations. That's what they're to be witnesses, witnesses of. And as the book of Acts unfolds, that's what we see. And we see it over and over again. Uh, I don't think uh, I have to say too much on this one. Hopefully, having been around here for a while, you're already convinced uh, that the spotlight should be on Jesus. Uh, but if in doubt, flick through Acts. See what they talk about. At every sermon, at every point along the way, it's Jesus. Uh, as, as, as though someone has put them on repeat and just sent them off. Uh, there's lots in Acts, lots that we tend to get caught up on. Uh, like we said before, tongues or baptism, money or church government or something else. But it's important that we ask, why are these things there in Acts? Uh, and the answer is simple. It's about putting the spotlight on Jesus. So as we make our way through and, and we get to some of those interesting topics, the key question to ask is, how is this event putting the spotlight on Jesus? 
What is it showing us about him? And asking that question will help us draw out what's really going on in each passage. So that's the what. Uh, The second thing to look at is the how. Uh, And so you can see they're highlighted in the verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Um, Now I want to be really careful about what I say here uh, because I don't want to give the wrong impression because we need to hold on to two really important truths. Uh, The first one is that the Holy Spirit coming the way that he does in Acts as a gift for all believers is a huge deal. But the other truth that we need to hold on to is that it's still all about Jesus. That might seem a a strange thing to make a big deal about. Uh, They are both part of the Trinity, right? Uh, Surely it doesn't really matter. We're cheering for the same team uh, wherever we're putting our energies. But I think there's a danger because we do need to treat them differently. The Bible shows them to us differently. Not different in value, but different in role. Verse 8 shows it. The Holy Spirit gives power. Why? So that they can be witnesses to Jesus. So so that we can proclaim him. Uh, Let me give you an example so we can see how that plays out. Uh, This comes from chapter 4. It's Peter speaking. uh, And Peter and John have just healed a man who couldn't walk. Uh, They've proclaimed to the crowd that, that that power came Uh, from Jesus. Jesus is the place where they can find forgiveness for their sins. Uh, And so the Jewish leaders arrested them. Uh, They dragged them in front, asked for an explanation. Uh, And this is what Peter says. Uh, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now the Holy Spirit is there in that story, isn't he? Ah, He's key. He's crucial. He fills Peter. To what end? So that he can proclaim Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. Uh, It's important to recognize that people do get this wrong. Uh, Somehow, I think in their excitement of this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, they stop holding on to Jesus as central, uh, as we're told to. And so they miss out on the way that they should be being shaped by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift. Uh, He's the power that fuels the church and its mission, the mission to proclaim Jesus. And we need to hold on to that. We can't forget it. And just to make sure that the positives aren't lost here, let me stress that the gift of Holy Spirit for all who believe is incredible. It's a huge gift. It's a huge moment in the Bible. Uh, It's one of those prophecies that Israel was pumped for. And we should be too. In John, Jesus even explains that it's better for him to leave and for the Holy Spirit to come. And that's true for us as well. Uh, If you've ever felt daunted in the Christian life, remember this gift we have, the power that drives us on in Jesus. We have a huge gift, an incredible gift in the Holy Spirit. More than a gift. Uh, The Holy Spirit is, is... 
vital to the mission of the church. Uh, And so we'll explore that more as we go through the series. Uh, So that's the what uh, and the how. And so now on to the where. Where is this mission to take place? Uh, Well, the simple answer is everywhere, isn't it? Uh, We read that there will be witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in terms of places, that pretty well covers it, doesn't it? Starts in these little circles, gets bigger until the end of the earth. Uh, There is no bigger. Uh, You can actually divide the book of Acts up by those moments that you see in that verse. Uh, So in the first seven chapters of Acts, uh, we see them in Jerusalem. uh, And they stay there until they get a little bit of a nudge. Uh, Stephen is killed. A great persecution breaks out and they spread. Uh, And then so we see from 8 to 12, uh, the focus is on Judea and Samaria uh, as the gospel goes out. Uh, And finally, uh, in chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are sent off as missionaries uh, to take the gospel out further. And so it continues to spread towards the end of the earth, uh, which was always God's plan for the gospel to reach not just Israel, but the world. Uh, It's not just a New Testament thing, as sometimes we're we're tricked into thinking, uh, but it's there throughout the Bible. Uh, Have a quick look. Uh, I'll give you a little jump through the Bible. We'll start at Genesis chapter 12, uh, and it's where God is making some big promises to Abraham. Uh, So this Genesis 12, uh, 2 and 3. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See that? All people on earth. Uh, And that's an idea, this all people thing gets explained more and more as we go through the Bible, but it is right there at the beginning. Uh, We get more shape to that as we move our way through, so let me give you a verse from Isaiah chapter 49, uh, verse 6. Uh, It says this, uh, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Uh, So you can see there, way, way back before Jesus came in the flesh, this idea of the ends of the earth was already there. That Isaiah passage was talking about Jesus and the salvation that he'd bring. It's the same salvation that we find being spread in Acts, uh, being brought to the ends of the earth. Uh, And let's skip ahead to the end of the Bible, uh, to Revelation, and see where all this ends up. So I'm looking at Revelation chapter 5, and we read, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. God's plan is for the gospel to reach all people. Uh, That people from every tribe, every nation, everyone might be saved. And we see that happening in Acts. But we want to recognize that the plan hasn't finished yet. Acts is where it starts. It moves from Jerusalem to beyond. But it's still going today. Uh, This is the last verse in Acts. So Acts 28, uh, it says, 
he, and that's Paul that it's talking about, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Uh, our Bible's, Bible College lecturer used to always say unhinderedly, even though it's not a real word, but it captures that emphatic, it just kept going. Acts finishes with Jesus continuing to be proclaimed without hindrance. It's still going today, all the way until he returns. Um, there's a group of churches called Acts 29. You may have heard of them. Uh, I'm not commenting on the network itself, but I think it's a great name. Acts 29, there's only 28 chapters in Acts. But, so Acts 29 captures this idea that it hasn't stopped, that it continues. The name reminds us that this ends of the earth movement is continuing today. That's something that we need to hold on to. Uh, Jesus will continue to be proclaimed until the day when he returns. As Christians, that should be part of our DNA. Uh, it's a non-negotiable to spread the news of Jesus to the whole world, to make sure it keeps going out. Uh, that means we'll care about what's going on here in our own backyard. We'll care about the people of Morissette, of Lake Macquarie. We need to proclaim Jesus to those around us. But the mandate is worldwide. We need to care not just about the mission here at Lake Mac, we need to care about beyond. Uh, that's why it's so exciting for us to be able to send people over to encourage the turvies. They're part of this ends of the earth work, proclaiming Jesus. That's something we want to support as much as we can. We want to get behind. Uh, so there is the where, or the what, the how and the where of Acts. Uh, I, I want to take us to finish uh, to some really simple stuff, to Rob's top tips uh, for making our way through this Acts series. Uh, and the first one uh, is to make sure that our lives have the same focus that the book of Acts does. That is, that it's all about Jesus. Jesus proclaimed to the ends of the earth. The spotlight in Acts is on him. The spotlight for us today needs to also be on him. He needs to be at the centre. As we read through this book, it should be constantly nudging us towards Jesus, chasing him. Uh, we need to ask, are the things we're doing in our lives about spotlighting Jesus? Uh, I think it's worth noticing that as Christians, it's really easy to get busy. There's no end of things that we can do, but, but that busyness needs to have a purpose. And the purpose has got to be putting the spotlight on Jesus. It's easy to be busy with all sorts of activities. We get busy setting up chairs, cooking barbecues, having women's morning teas uh, and men's meat nights. We have church services, prayer meetings, growth groups, the list goes on. But those things should be there for one reason, and that is just put the spotlight on Jesus. And when we do that, well, it's a wonderful thing. It's why we do them. But we, we need to hold on to that purpose. Otherwise, we're just busy for no reason. I think it's easy to get sidetracked and get stuck into busy work and forget what we're supposed to be doing. It's a sad reality that there's lots of busy churches that have nothing to do with Jesus. It's a terrible thing. It's a tragedy. 
We need to make sure that's not our church and we need to make sure that's not us as well. And so I want to urge you to keep asking that important question. Is the spotlight on Jesus? Is our energy going to something worthwhile? My second top tip is to be wary of shiny things. Uh, The book of Acts is full of shiny things, interesting things, uh, interesting topics. And though many of the ones that draw us us in are topics that came a bit earlier in Acts, so we're not covering them, there are still some coming up. We're we're looking at uh, a prophecy next week. That's interesting. It's shiny. Acts tells this amazing story uh, of the believers empowered by the Holy Spirit witnessing to the ends of the earth. But as we make our way through... We need to keep coming back to, to what is this narrative about? What is it telling us? One of the questions that we'll ask as we come to each section, each topic, uh, is whether the things that are happening are descriptive or prescriptive. Uh, funny words, but uh, is, is what's going on simply describing something that happened? Or is it prescribing what we should do? Because uh, we see both play out in Acts. Uh, This type of writing is narrative. It's the same type of writing that we see in 2 Samuel. Uh, As we made our way through 2 Samuel, it was a bit more obvious uh, a lot of the time what was prescriptive and descriptive. Uh, As we saw David and his litany of mistakes, most of the time it was pretty clear that we we don't, oh, David went and slept with Bathsheba, maybe we should go find an affair. That's clear, isn't it? It's describing, not prescribing. Uh, We need to do the same thing as we come through Acts, we need to ask those questions. Is this descriptive? Is this showing us what happened? Or is it telling us uh, what we should be doing? Uh, And the only way to do that is is to keep coming back to the big picture, to keep understanding the context, uh, to keep doing that hard work of of understanding what's going on in each passage. Uh, And so I want to encourage you to do that work, uh, to spend that time, to to read that context. Uh, Now my last top tip is to get on board with what Jesus is doing. Let Acts fire you up to reach the ends of the earth. The story of Acts is the story of Jesus being proclaimed to the ends of the earth. We've seen that. And the story hasn't been finished being told. We've seen that as well. It's a story that we should be part of. It should be natural to us as Christians. It should be the thing that drives us. That's what's happening up at Marmong, isn't it? Uh, We're not doing that. We're not planning a church there because we want to make a name for ourselves. Uh, We're not twiddling our thumbs because we're bored and we may as well do something. It's not about growing assets or reputation. It's about one thing. It's about proclaiming Jesus. There are thousands of people in that area who don't know him. We, We want them to know him. That's the picture of the Bible from the start to the finish. Salvation coming to the ends of the earth. And Acts gives us this wonderful, wonderful picture of how we can be part of it, of how God empowers us by the Holy Spirit to do that work. So I want to encourage you to grab hold of that. Let it spur you on. There's no such thing as a Christian who isn't concerned to see Jesus proclaimed. Now, what that will look like will be different for each of us. Uh, For many of us, it will be as simple as a conversation with a friend, sharing our story. But proclaiming Jesus is the job of every Christian.
And if that feels intimidating, then let me remind you that God doesn't leave us alone in it. It was better that Jesus left. He sent the Holy Spirit to to give us power to be his witnesses. Uh, So as we head into this series, let Acts push you to be someone who passionately proclaims Jesus. I'm going to pray for all of us that 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 would be us. Uh, Why don't you join me? Lord, I want to thank you. Uh, I thank you for this book of Acts. Uh, I thank you for the wonderful picture it gives of Jesus being proclaimed to the ends of the earth. What a wonderful thing it is to see that salvation, a salvation that we couldn't earn on our own, but is freely given in Jesus. What a wonderful thing it is to see it spread uh, for people to be saved and changed. Lord, do that same work in this place. Help us to be changed by your gospel. Help us to be empowered to spread it to others. Lord, we pray that from this place, more and more people will hear, not for our name's sake, but for yours, that your kingdom will grow. As we look forward to that wonderful day at the end of time when Jesus returns, and there's people from every tribe and every nation gathered, praising you for all that you've done. Help us long for that day. And help us to get busy putting the spotlight of Jesus until that day comes. And we pray it in his wonderful name. Amen. All right. Uh, Well, we do have time for questions. Uh, I think, Piranhas, you guys are going to pop back into the room. Unless you've got a question, you can hang around. Hi there, Rob. Um, It's hard to understand how to frame the question, but um, and I think coming to the Book of Acts, there are a lot of questions, mm. um, and I love coming to the book. But what's on my mind just now is the way in which the gospel spread in those early days. It was like wildfire. It was amazing, and there was real spectacular works going on. But mm. they didn't have the Word of God that we have today in their Bibles and mm. all of that. Um, but sometimes I get the sense that the good news of Jesus is old news now and it's not as shiny and spectacular as it was back then and we don't seem to see as much spectacular as it appears was going on back in Acts. And um, have we become too comfortable in our personal journeys with God and um, has the message in one respect lost its fire over time and um, it certainly feels like, you know, we've got missionaries out there and we've got things happening and there's obviously people being converted. But when you look at the book of Acts, it just looks much more action-packed and mm. conversion happening left, right and centre. Why has it slowed down? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess there's a, there's a whole bunch of ways to answer that. One is, I don't know, God, God kind of works in his own timing and yep uh so there is an aspect of unknown there that we want to acknowledge uh another thing to say uh as a bit of an escape is that uh it's very easy to read a book of acts you can sit down in and read it in a few hours and go wow look at all that happened but your few hours of reading feels very close but you know as we read through paul spends 
you get you know a couple of verses of this, but that might represent six months that he spent in a place, and so it feels more action-packed than it probably is in reality. It was a, a slower thing than it seems to read, um, but at the same time, I, I think there is a, a a slowness. The church in uh, Australia, at least, is in decline. Uh, so we are. It's it's there's certainly not wildfire here, um, but in other parts of the world, it is wildfire. There's, uh, we look at some of, some of the parts of the world in, in Asia and Africa where there's huge growth, incredible growth, uh, and so much so that they're the places we think that's where you send missionaries, but they're starting to send more missionaries than we are. And back to us, because we need it. Uh, so it's complicated. Um, I, I think we have an apathy. Uh, we're very comfortable in the West. Uh, there's no, we're not... Uh, Though we like to talk about being persecuted, we're not really persecuted. There's no uh, real restriction on us. There's, there's hard moments. SRE is getting harder, for example, but, uh, but really we're very comfortable. Um, I suspect if we were persecuted, they would do wonders for our faith and our conviction to spread. Uh, I've heard that people in persecuted countries pray for us to be persecuted so that we'd take our faith a bit more seriously. Uh, and so in all of that, I don't have an easy answer, but, but I think a solution among many is, is we need to be less apathetic. We need to take this seriously. This, this is the mandate. Put the spotlight on Jesus. Don't get comfortable. Get busy for the right things. Hmm. Any others? Yeah. Well, let's wrap up. Uh, Ben, do you want to come on down uh, and bring us through our final song?